Well, we are in a series called In My Generation, uh, Psalm 145. A couple of weeks ago, we began this series talking about your greatest calling at any age of life, the greatest achievement that you can attain, the greatest pursuit to which you can dedicate your life is the glory of God, and that God has given us an incredible opportunity to live out the reality of Psalm 45, which we just prayed into a few moments ago. Every generation commending your work to another, they tell of your mighty acts. And so God's positioned us as a church in sort of a unique way. So we've been leaning into that reality. Last week we had a beautiful service outside talking about the declaration of what God has done, Deuteronomy chapter 4, the affirmation of what God is going to do, what God is doing even now. We talked about affirming and praying for and celebrating the fresh encounter with God in every generation. And I think very appropriately, we've concluded the service, which was very beautiful, uh, concluded that service with baptisms. We have a picture here of some of the young generation folks that were getting baptized, which was awesome. And uh, I just love the, the fellowship time and the picnic and just the, the joy that we experienced being together uh, in that special place. But as I was thinking about these kids that we showed you a second ago, Romans 6, 4 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism unto death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. The newness of life. I mean, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the glory of God in our generation, that the newness of the life of Christ would be experienced in us. So today I want to talk about bridging the generation gap. And in our first message a few weeks ago, we had kind of introduced this phrase familiar to, to all of us. Uh, we spoke of the generation gap and the challenges of bridging that span that at times can sort of make you feel like your world's apart. And certainly I think today's generations are no different, that it's very easy to look from one generation to the next and say, I don't understand you, uh, you're very different, you dress differently, you speak differently or whatever. What does it mean for us to bridge the generation gap. So to, to kind of give you the understanding of kind of what are we talking about when we see one generation looking different than another, I have a couple of pictures for you here. Uh, this one I think says a lot, um, and it was just sort of fun. I don't know who these people are, but we got some differences in the generation. Uh, th this next one is an old comic that I saw a long, long time ago about the, the generation gap and there has actually been some scientific study done on the, the waistline, especially among men. How old is your waistline? You can see this in the next one. I find this a little interesting that uh, guys at the age of 12 and 75 are relatively at the same place, but at age 16, we see an, uh, a low point in the, the waistline. At age 57, an, a definite high point there. Uh, some of you are maybe checking as I'm speaking, like, we're... <laughs> Where am I in the, oh, I think I'm right on target. It's good. So we have a little bit of fun with this today, but the subject matter is, is serious. It's important. And, and tell me if this is not true in your life. See, I have heard year after year the lament of people who say things like this. The church where I found God, the church where I grew up, the, the church where things used to be so vibrant and alive, seems to have lost its youth. You know, it's lost its vibrancy. It just, it got old somewhere along the line. 
And, and I've heard this from young people. I've heard this from old people as well. You know, people saying, you know, that I'm an old person, but the last thing I want to do is be around just a bunch of old people. You know, there's something about new life coming up that we, we long for that. And so I've, I've heard that lament. Churches that were not willing or perhaps not able to animate the spiritual life of the next generation find to their dismay that their ability to be a witness in the subsequent generations is literally dying with them. It doesn't feel good. It feels like something is, is lost. So the subject is important. We, we, gotta, we gotta get this right by God's grace. We gotta ask for help. Now I wanna be clear when I say this. The church of Christ is not going to die. In fact, its continued existence from the time of its humble beginnings until now should tell us that something supernatural is actually at work in the world. The church will endure, but the question when we look at messages like this and go through a series like this is, will we be a part of it? Will we be a part of the enduring church of Christ in our generation and in the subsequent ones? So I wanna look with you as a little bit of a springboard at Proverbs chapter one. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and flip over there, phones, or we have this, uh, this passage on the screen for you as well, if you wanna follow along that way. And again, just a, a springboard for us to, to look at this no, notion in scripture of one generation passing something on to the next. And in this case, it's, it's Solomon saying, I, I want you to, to learn from the generations before you. And that is a part, not all of, but a vital part of what it means to be seeing the glory of God in every generation. So Proverbs chapter one, verses one through eight, I'm gonna read verses one through five and verse eight this morning. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Verse eight, and I think this is a, the, sort of the, the setup for all of the book of Proverbs, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. May God add blessing to the reading of his word this morning. So I want to just talk for a moment about um, legacy and learning, because some of us, when we think about generations, maybe you're getting to the place in your own life where you actually start to think about, what is it that I'm going to be leaving behind? And that's an important question. What is the mark that my life will leave? What is the impact that my life will make? And actually, I might suggest that we, we should start thinking about that maybe a lot younger than we oftentimes do. Because if you wait until you're old and gray and you know, kind of ready to check out of this thing called life, say, oh, I wonder what my, what my life is gonna leave. You don't have a whole lot of time to actually invest in that actual decision. Whereas, in all seriousness, when you're, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and beginning to say, what kind of life, what kind of impact, what kind of legacy will I actually be able to leave over the long haul? Legacy and learning. What you pass on matters. 
And that's what we're talking about when we talk about legacy. What you receive matters. And that's what we talk about when we're talking about learning. So I start to think about this subject, and I see that really all throughout Scripture, this idea of the work of God in every generation, uh, it shows up again and again and again. And just to give you a couple of examples, you look at the lives of Moses and Joshua, and you're going to see a multi-generational experience of the work of God. In fact, we're going to spend some significant time in the rest of this series on that particular relationship. But you see it also in the lives of Elijah and Elisha. You see it in the lives of Naomi and Ruth. You see it in the lives of David and Solomon, the Proverbs of Solomon we just read a few moments ago. You see negative examples of this. You see where it's got done right. You see where it's not done right. Rehoboam's folly in 1 Kings chapter 12, which is a fascinating story. If you want to just go ahead and read 1 Kings chapter 12 and go through it, I'm not going to preach on that today. But essentially what you see is Rehoboam rejecting the wisdom of the elders and forfeiting his ability to lead the people. And it's all rooted in his own arrogance and self-absorption. Like if he, if he could have just learned a little bit or received a little bit, been teachable a little bit, his story perhaps could have gone in a very different way. We see Eli's sons in 1 Samuel, the account of Eli. He's, he was a good man of God. But he managed to raise sons who were immature and immoral and frankly very reckless. So we might look at that and say, what, what didn't get handed off well? What didn't get received? What didn't get passed down? You can look at stories like Hezekiah and Manasseh in 2 Kings chapter 20. Hezekiah was a pretty good king. He did make some mistakes in his lifetime in his own generation, but more troubling was the fact that he managed to raise a son, Manasseh, who would become the most evil king in Judah's history. And we might pause and say, how does that happen? Well, I might suggest legacy matters. Learning matters thinking about some of these things where they went wrong. I, I actually heard a quote this last week. Somebody told me this on Tuesday, and then it was the uh, quote of the week or the quote of the day in the New York Times like two days later. Uh, it's from Albert Einstein who said, the only thing more dangerous than ignorance is arrogance. So we're not trying to be ignorant. We're trying to be informed, but we don't want to be arrogant. We've got to be humble if we're going to make any headway, God's glory in my generation. So bridging the generation gap matters not because we're trying to extend our fame or our fortune or our family business, but because we want to do everything in our power to invite the work of God that will outlast us. Does that resonate with your heart today? The work of God in my generation that will then carry on beyond my generation. The work of God in my life that will outlast my life. So when I'm ready to hang it up and die a good death and go to glory and be with Jesus, that, that I will know that some of the legacy that I'm leaving behind is still pointing people toward Christ, God's glory in every generation. So that's kind of our heartbeat. And when I talk to people in our church family, I know that for many of you, that's your heartbeat as well. So our, heart to, uh, our, our task today is how do we bridge this generation gap? So, so here's sort of a very simple phrase that I would like to give you that will actually mark and set the course for a lot of the coming weeks that we're going to teach through. Honor up and invest down. 
honor up and invest down. Not really that complicated, not really that hard, and you probably say, okay, I think I get what you're saying, and you probably do. Honor up and we invest down. Now, I, I wanna tell you that I'm bringing this message to you at sort of a unique time in my own life. I find that I'm in an interesting phase because I am preaching to a multi-generational church with our oldest folks well into their 90s. We've got some wonderful heroes of the faith that are going strong here, well into their 90s, and our youngest addition to the church, I think, was eight days ago. If uh, Felicity May Roush represents our youngest person in the church family, maybe there's somebody newer. If so, I'd love to meet you. It's fine. I'm simply making the point that from eight days up into their 90s, we have people representing every generation in this church. And so here I am speaking to a multi-generational church at a time where I'm kind of right in the middle of all of you. I'm 47 years old, and I'm not 100% sure if 47 still qualifies as mid-40s or late-40s. I will ask for a little bit of input from you. If you believe that 47 is a, is what's that? Yeah, look at my waist. Yeah, I just gotta, <laughs> just gotta tell where am I at. Thank you, that's good. It's well, well played, well played. So 47, mid-40s, raise your hand if you would call that mid-40s. Everybody that's 37, 57, 47, 27, okay. Good, we're gonna go with you guys on that. We're just gonna say I'm in my mid-40s, but I am, I'm literally in about the center mark in terms of age. And so in, in bringing this, this message, I, I'm starting to think about like, well, what does God's word say about like family and, and how does he describe? And actually it, it says quite a bit. I mean, you look at things like 1 Timothy chapter five and so here you have Paul talking to his protege saying to Timothy, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Have you read this passage? Treat younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So like this is the metaphor, this is kind of the, the way that Paul encouraging his young protege, here's how you should be seeing the family of God. When you see people around you that are older than you in the faith, think of them as, as father figures, mother figures, younger brothers and younger sister figures. So I go, okay. I look at Paul's writing to Titus, Titus 1, he says this, Titus, you are my true child in the common faith. Again, this sort of family analogy. So then how does the family kind of thrive? I look at Paul's writing in Colossians 3. Again, this is good teaching. We could expound on this on another sermon. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So I'm, I'm realizing at this kind of midpoint area of life, if I wait five years, I'm not gonna be in the same kind of segment. If I had done this five years ago, I might not have been quite ready. But here I am at this midpoint, God's saying, speak it now, talk now, and speak to your fathers and your mothers in the faith, and speak to your little brothers and your little sisters in the faith. So here's what I would say to my older brothers and sisters. 
The reality check is I've never spoken to a sincere Christ follower who, if given the choice, would say, I actually don't care about this local church and it continuing on. What I hear again and again is there's a, there's a deep heart cry among my, my older brothers and sisters, my, my mother-father figures as I speak to you. I hear in your heart a deep desire to leave a lasting legacy. That, that you want to leave a mark that matters. You want to see the next generation being blessed. And in fact, I'm gonna say to you later in this message, I think the reason I'm preaching to a multi-generational church is because we have had older brothers and sisters, older mother and father figures who had that vision. It wasn't gonna all be about me. We've gotta think about what God is doing in the next generation. And that actually takes effort. It actually means that, that, that maybe frequently we have to step back from what we're doing or what we like or what we're used to and say, but how is this reaching the next generation? It takes effort. You gotta put effort into it, as many of you know. In fact, the illustration I would say is like, you gotta find the gear. And for any of you who have driven the, the manual stick shift car, you know what it's like to drive an old one that's just a little loose and sometimes finding that gear takes some work and you grind it a little bit, but you know, you get it into gear and okay, I found the gear. And I think some of us in our older generation folks, you just have to keep saying, I gotta find that gear. I got, by God's grace, I gotta find that gear to say, I wanna see what God would do in the next generation. So honor up and invest down. The older we get, the more we are called to the latter rather than the former. But it doesn't mean we don't do both. All of us are doing both all the time. We continue to honor up, continue to honor up. Most of us, even if you say, I'm old and gray, but there's people who have probably been here longer than you, and you continue to honor them. I had a beautiful conversation after the first service with someone who's some, I just saying, I honor you. And he was saying, you know, I thought about this person and this person and some of these folks who have gone before me. I'm honoring them. You know, so you continue to honor up really at every phase, even to the point that eventually, you know, we never stop honoring up. Eventually we see Jesus face to face. This is the climactic moment of bestowing ultimate honor to the one who ultimately deserves it because it was all for his glory in the first place. At that point, there's really no more investing down, but it's a gathering of honor of you and everyone else who has been brought into his presence. So the older we get, the more we invest down. So the psalmist said it this way, Psalm 71, 18, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So this is powerful. I, I wanna give for each group, I'm speaking right now to my, my big brothers and sisters, my, my mom and dad folks in the, in the faith. Let me, let me give you a little bit of, of advice that I think is important as I see it as well. Be careful the things that you imprint on the next generation. Be thoughtful, be prayerful, be very discerning about those things. I think about in Judges chapter six when Gideon gets his call to deliver the, Israel, the Israelites from the Midianites and so that, you remember the fleece, he puts the fleece out and all that kind of stuff. But his first task when he is called to be the leader is the angel says to him, all right, now the first thing you gotta do is you've gotta go to your father's house and tear down the, the, the idolatry uh, altars that he has built. 
So the first thing he had to do was clean up some of the mess from the previous generation because somewhere along the line, they weren't being careful about what they were passing down. So that by the time it gets to Gideon, his response when the angel first comes is basically, where are the stories of God at work? It's like everything we know of God and his majesty and his power is stuff that happened lifetimes before us, and you can hear the discouragement and the lostness in his generation. And God's saying, well, get ready, because I'm gonna do a new thing. But you're gonna have to repair some of the things that have been passed down that frankly weren't right. The simple truth is, older brothers and sisters, you have wisdom to share. You don't have all the wisdom there is to share, but you have wisdom to share. There are going to be new discoveries, new things in each generation, and we oftentimes uncover mistaken thinking from the previous generation. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you have experienced that maybe in your life. This has always been the way of the world. I was actually doing some, so I heard this documentary a while ago, Henry Harlow, who was uh, doing psychological research in the 1940s and 50s, and his whole premise was this, that love was actually important for children. Shocking, right? Now, I mean, we actually chuckle at that right now, but in the 1940s and 50s, the previous decades had shown a strong aversion in the psychological community to the love for kids. The official statement was, don't kiss, don't cuddle, don't show affection, which is really kind of fascinating when compared to today because common sense and modern science tell us that A sense of love is actually kind of important for our well-being. But the norm was not always that. Somebody said to me after the first service as well, it's kind of like eggs. I mean, they were good, then they were bad, then they were good. I think they're good now. We think we know, right? We think we have an understanding. We think we got the full picture, and we oftentimes find out in the subsequent generations that we didn't have the full picture. It doesn't mean we don't have wisdom to share. We just don't have all wisdom to share. Two sort of fun pictures. This came across my desk a little while ago. This is the penny farthing bike, um, a design that was hopelessly not good. Um, it was called the penny farthing bike, actually, because a penny and a farthing are different size in the different, in the different size wheels, so that's actually why they called it that. It was really famous in the 1870s and 1880s until somebody came along and said, hey, a bike with wheels that makes sense actually makes a lot more sense, and it got better. Uh, <laughs> we see new medical advances all the time. Like, this is a real picture. This is a person in the 1950s getting uh, his selection of cigarettes while in a hospital bed. Like, because cigarettes were like, hey, he needs to calm down, right? He's, he's a little relaxed, you know, so help you out. But we've learned a few things from that time till this. Would be hilarious if you went to the hospital next time and said, do you have a selection of cigarettes I might choose from? I need to relax just a little bit. We learn new things all the time. Um, I want to encourage you, if you are an older brother or sister in the faith, be very discerning about what you're passing down. Pass down the things of Christ, the work of Christ in the next generation. Listen and hear how God is stirring in the next generation. And go after that. Go after that in prayer. Go after that in encouragement. Walk alongside. Pray for spiritual hunger. We've been talking about that a lot in this year. Praying for spiritual hunger may be one of the best gifts you can give to the next generation. 
In fact, I started realizing this 20 years ago when I was in ministry, getting in ministry and everything that, that we were observing at that time, this was the first generation that was essentially being raised up that did not have the prayer covering of their grandparents. Think about it. First generation being raised up without the prayer covering of their grandparents. I think one of the best things that you can do as an older brother or sister in the faith is to give that grandparent blessing and prayer over the upcoming generation. Even if you don't know all their names, it doesn't matter that you can speak blessing and prayer over the next generation. So that's, that's powerful. And I want to talk now to my younger brothers and sisters a little bit about what does it mean for you, especially if you're in a place of having to do a lot of honoring up. So here's, here's your reality check. Your reality check looks like this. God wants you to learn to grow slowly and, and to put down deep roots that will cause your faith to last throughout the variety of experiences of life that you're gonna go through. You don't get there quickly. In fact, this is one of the great things that you will be able to learn as you observe the generations older than you is how to slow down and how to actually be still because your reality check is there's probably not a lot of stillness in your life. We're gonna get to that in a second. Your call, especially the younger you are, is that you would honor up, that you would see the people who have gone before you, the generations that have blazed trails, and you realize you're standing on a path that has been cut for you with blood, sweat, and tears, and prayer of those who have gone before. So we honor up. We, we start with honoring up. And, and again, you might have to find that gear, right? Because most of us, we think we know more than we know the younger that we are. So we gotta step back from our own self-assuredness and find the gear to say, how do I honor the person who has gone before me? Let's give you a couple examples from this church. 1975, about the same time I was coming into the world, 47 years ago, uh, this church was dealing with an influx of college students that they frankly weren't quite sure, like, how do we navigate this? How do we manage? And the leadership of this church kind of got together and said, you know what? We are never going to be able to build a building big enough for Penn State. I think we need to take the church to them. And in that year, way ahead of their time, nowadays everybody's sort of like, oh, campus ministry, that's a good place to do churches and ministry and stuff like that. Way ahead of their time, this church was saying, we gotta have a heart for the next generation, we gotta invest in the next generation, and that's how our campus ministry, ACF, actually was born. That same year, they must have been busy. They must have been sitting around saying, like, we got a lot of stuff to do. They had a heart for the next generation because that, that same year, they started Nittany Christian School, which is a school that's still in existence on the other side of this building, has ministered to thousands and thousands of kids, raising up students in the next generation. We honor up. We honor up. We honor the work that has been done, the blood and sweat and tears. And the fact of the matter is, most of us don't know half of it. We don't know the long nights, the, the, the hard work that's been put into it. And so, you know, kids, when you're talking to your parents and you're saying like, you know, you don't give me what I need or what, I, you know, I mean, just try to step back, find the gear that says, I probably don't know half of the sacrifices that my parents are making for me. Some parents say amen. There we go. 
It's just, it, you gotta find the gear. Honor up, honor up, honor up. I was thinking about um, David and Saul. Like David was the appointed king. I mean, he was anointed to be the king. And Saul is just recklessly hunting him and trying to, I mean, he had every reason to say, I've got God on my side. I'm gonna get rid of this guy. I have opportunities, you know, Saul's life is in my hands and everything. And he continued to say, even at his own expense, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Even when the Lord's anointed was getting it wrong, he said, I'm gonna find the gear to honor up. One of the great things I think that when I think about generations, um, how many of you took a hike during the pandemic? We're all like stuck outside and our family, I think hiked every trail in the tri-state area three times. <laughs> we did a lot of hiking. And there's something about when you're hiking, on a, hiking a trail that, that you've not been on before and you're trying to get to that kind of overlook or you're trying to get to that place and you're starting to get tired and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can, is it gonna be worth it for us to get there? And then you see somebody that's walking down the trail towards you, right? And even when you don't know them, you, you, you might be very inclined to say, is it a lot farther to the top? And was it worth it when you got there? And how great when the times when they say, you know what, you got a little ways to go, but it's so worth it. It's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. You're tired now, but it's gonna be great. And guess what? Going back, it's all downhill. You're gonna be okay. That's what I'm talking about when we talk about someone who's, who's gone a couple laps ahead of you. Every person who's gone a lap ahead of you is essentially qualified to speak down blessing and you are qualified to honor them for the work of God in their generation. So it's important. So here's my advice to, to my younger brothers or sisters. Um, people have been lamenting, this is not new news, people have been lamenting your generation for a while and using the famous E word, to describe you. He said, energetic, not that E-word. <laughs> like, enthusiastic, not that E-word. Entitled, that's the, that's the word. That's what, that's what those of us who are my age and younger get called a lot by those of us who are my age and older, right? Entitled. And I think part of the reason is that, that though I was sort of a, a little bit in front of this trend, if you are under the age of 40, you've probably found that everything in your life you're sort of used to getting instantly. It's really wild, the age that we live in. It's just like, what is the weather gonna be like in Sacramento, California? Doot, doot, nah. Instant. What movies are playing? Doot, doot, instant. What book is happening? Doot, doot, downloaded. Just, I mean, it's so fast. Dating is like, everybody's dating online, you know, and so the, those of us who are old is like, oh, that's weird, and they should you know, never have quality relationships, can never, you know, we don't, we don't understand it. The, but for the dating world, it's like, just swipe, swipe, yes, no, you know, and look at that, I've got a date. You know what I mean? It's just instant. Everything is instant. And so the question is, I don't think to lament the fact that we live in the information age, but the question is this, what does that do to your psyche and your disposition. So like you have to take control of this 
in your own journey to say, what does it mean for me having grown up with everything sort of instantly given to me? So you have people like Simon Sinek who's spoken and written on this where he says, everything is instantaneous in your world except for job satisfaction, relational health, and I would add to this your, your journey with Jesus and your walk of faith. So sometimes it's very disorienting when you're so used to saying like everything is just quick, it's at my fingertips and I can't figure out how to get my career to make sense. And that's why people are quitting their jobs early because I don't feel like I'm making an impact. I've been here a whole four months, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, I, I want a calling in my life and, I, and it's like, it's slow. It's gonna take time. And one of the best things that you can do, especially in your walk of faith, is to just latch on to somebody who's one lap, two lap, 10 laps ahead of you and say, teach me how to do this. Like how did you get to where you are in your marriage, in your career, in your walk with Jesus, etc." That is a beautiful, beautiful gift. But you have to have the, the courage to ask and the patience to slow down. Craig Groeschel says it this way, because of our impatience, we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in the short term. But then the other, the other thing is also true. We underestimate the things that you can accomplish in the long run if you just employ a little patience, a little trust, a little saying, okay, I'm not there yet, but I know that God has me in process. You probably need somebody in a different generation to help model this for you. But it's priceless when we get it right. Um, I wanna give just one other quick example on this and then we're gonna just get ourselves ready for communion. Uh, this was sort of cool to me. So I, I make, you know, we're honoring up, we're investing down. Honor up, invest down. Honor up, bless down, okay? Those words we're gonna use kind of interchangeably. Alliance Sports Camp is coming up in the summer. That's sort of a fun thing, woo, you know? Uh, hundreds of kids, I and mean, we're actually on par this year to have probably one of the biggest groups we've ever had uh, that are here. We've already got 140-ish, uh, 40-some uh, volunteers from among our church that are signed up saying, hey, I'm help, helping out. I'm gonna coach, or I'm gonna be a huddle coach, or I'm gonna be a runner, or whatever. This is something that came to my attention just this last week. I want you to hear this. Of the 140-ish volunteers that have already signed up, 94 of them are middle school and high school students. And I was like, what? But here's, here's what that means. It's like, some of you guys are getting this. You're understanding that like, like investing down or blessing the next generation. You don't wait until you're ancient to do that. Right, You start doing it as soon as you have a group beneath you, and that's essentially what you're doing right now. You're saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna serve, and I'm gonna help, and I'm gonna be a blessing to the next generation. That's awesome. We love that. So I wanna conclude with just a, a blessing uh, to my older brothers and sisters, my mothers and fathers, and to my younger brothers and sisters here at the church. Uh, to, to, my, to my older folks, older than 47, 47 plus. In all seriousness, we bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. We acknowledge that you have broken ground, you have prayed faithfully, you have served courageously, 
And we acknowledge that everything that is being done by those younger than you essentially is being done for the glory of God as we get to stand on your shoulders. And the fact of the matter is we don't fully understand all that you've done. We don't, like, like we want to appreciate, we want to honor, but the honest truth is we don't know the half of it. But we say that out of respect to say thank you for the work that you have done and the work that you are doing. We thank you for your vision. We thank you for your sacrifices. And we honor you today. I was reminded this week of being 19 years old, kind of starting to find my, my, my steps and my walk with Jesus and trying to figure out what he had for me. And I had a pastor in the little church where I grew up who took me under his wing and he said, come on, man, we're gonna go together. We're gonna do some, we're gonna go do some prison ministry stuff together. He actually put me in the pulpit. I don't remember exactly what I preached on. I would love to hear a, a recording of the message because it was probably so bad and so unrefined in so many ways. But he was giving me space He's given me an opportunity. He's putting some wind in my sail. So I honor him, Pastor Larry. I honor Pete Canizero, who's my campus pastor, who walked with me through all of the inconsistencies of young adulthood. How many of you remember when your walk with Jesus was best defined as wildly inconsistent? Raise your hand if, that, if, you, if you remember the time. I'm not saying it's you now. Yeah, well, maybe, well, uh, we'll see. No, but you remember, right? You remember the ups and downs. And when you have somebody walking alongside you in those moments, honor those people, honor those men, honor those women. Call them up this week and say, thanks for walking with me when I was a big, hot mess most of the time. To my younger brothers and sisters, we bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. We are praying and we pray for the fullness of Christ in you, in you, in you. We affirm God's calling. We affirm God's gifting in you. We are eager to see the ways in which God will use you even now to advance his kingdom. And I was thinking about this like with my own kids. It's like, it's really easy to see the places where you look at your own life and you go, man, I wish I was like a few steps farther. Like, I wish I was a little deeper here. I wish I was a little stronger here. And those are the very things that then I wanna say to my kids, I hope that you run faster and farther and stronger than I ever did. That's legacy. Go strong. You've got things, you've got, like we sang today, like new wine that's gonna come out of whatever pressing and crushing and work that God's doing in you, right? So like, we actually wanna see that. We wanna see revival. And if it's not in my generation, we wanna see it in your generation. A mighty work of the Spirit of God. So we're eager to see the ways that God will use you, even now. As we take communion, we're gonna give you a second. I know some of you are like, oh, communion. I was gonna get elements and I forgot to do it. We're gonna give you a second to do that now. Not a problem. Um, we, we're just gonna do a little special thing. Did this in the first service as well. Um, go ahead and stand up in four corners. We've got elements. For anybody that's, if, you're, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're welcome to participate in this. If you're from a different church or whatever, that doesn't matter. Uh, our communion table is open to you. And it's kind of nice actually that we can have some moving around because what I'd actually encourage you to do 
is as we take communion together today, those of us who are ready to do that, um, maybe you would find somebody next to you or close to you, or maybe you're with somebody right now that represents a different generation. And we wanna encourage you just to take a moment, this is something we're sharing together, to say, you know what? I bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you for the work that you have done. So if you're younger and you're, there's, there's a potential for awkwardness, right? Because if you start with, you look kind of old. That, it might set the wrong tone, so you, gotta, you just gotta, gotta be discerning there a little bit. But to say to, say to somebody, just I, I honor you in the Lord. And if you're with your parents today, it's awkward. These are not like, probably not language. You didn't come down this morning from your bedroom and say, Mother, Father, I honor you in the Lord today. But I, I want to encourage you to say, just, Mom, Dad, I love you, and I'm thankful. And I probably don't know the half of all that you've done for me. You know, that kind of thing. So just to speak that word. And if you're, if you're in the older party, just say, I, just, I bless you in the Lord. I, just, I bless you in the Lord. You know, my kids, I bless you in the Lord. My younger brother, sister in the faith, I bless you in the Lord. You don't have to give them a whole sermon. They just sat through one. Just, I bless you in the Lord, you know. And then we'll take, uh, take our communion elements together. So uh, if you, the other thing I wanna say is just that if, you, um, if you've never committed your life to Christ, so all of this, the glory of God in each generation, I mean, this is, these are lives changed by the finished work of Jesus. So we receive that personally. And if you've never received that, so you say, well, I'm not really ready for communion because I haven't done that, uh, let today be a day of invitation, right? I mean, this is today where you say, bowing my knee to the Lordship of Jesus, I'm acknowledging his finished work, I acknowledge my brokenness, my sin, that he's paid the penalty for that, and so I'm receiving his forgiveness today. You, you can do that right where you are, and then come to the communion table, you know, with joy, because that's what, that's what we're remembering, what he's done for us, his finished work. So the Apostle Paul said, he wrote, I, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we do that, we'll give you just a little bit of space. You can pray, you can encourage one another, you can speak a blessing to a different generation. Go ahead and do that even now. And then when you're ready, we'll take the bread together as an act of remembering the work of Christ. So when you're ready to do that, you take the bread together. sweet blessing happening. I want to just give that a little bit of space. Give you a little bit of space. In the same way, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. When you are ready, let's take the cup as we remember the finished work of Jesus for us. What a great privilege you've given us. And we are thankful today for the finished work of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we are able to be seekers of your heart is because you have gone first. You have paid a debt that we could not pay. You've lived a life that we couldn't live. You've died a death we couldn't die. And you've, you've gained a victory that was truly beyond us. And so we celebrate all of that today. We celebrate the communion that we have with the Father because of the work of Christ. We love you today. We ask for your glory to be shown in every generation. Thank you for the sweetness even today as we are speaking blessing one to another. All again, all for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do have one last assignment and then the team's gonna, going to uh, lead us. If you prayed with somebody or blessed somebody today and you're gonna leave and all that kind of stuff, the last thing that you should probably do is say, by the way, what's your name? Just in case you don't know. What's your name? You know, you make a new friend, different generation. And then if you're younger, just say, and by the way, can you like help chart a course for my life? And I'll, you know, that'll develop over time. Um, it's a good place to start. Why don't we stand together? We're gonna close the service and worship. God bless you. What a wonderful joy to celebrate Jesus with you today.